Today you'll meet Gibson. Gibson's mom died unexpectedly in the summer of 2020. As she's adjusting to life without her mom, Gibson has done a tremendous amount of soul searching and has learned a lot about herself. If you are enjoying the podcast, can you please leave a rating and review? Go to the show in Apple Podcasts or in whatever platform you are listening and scroll down to rating and review. I'd really appreciate it. And now, Gibson's story. Hi, this is Beth, and welcome back to the Daughters Without Moms podcast. Today, I have with me Gibson, um, and Gibson replied to my recent post about sharing their story on the podcast, and she actually works with my daughter um, down in Philadelphia. So thanks, Emily, for posting that. Thanks to Gibson for replying to replying to the request for stories. Um, so as it goes, I'm going to turn the mic over to Gibson. I'm going to let her tell us her story, and then I will come back and we'll have some conversation at the end. So thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me, Beth, and thank you so much for holding space for those of us who have lost someone in our life. Um, I know that when my mother had passed, one of the first things I had done was scour the internet to find people who were like me so that I could find some sort of validation for what I was feeling, what I was going through, and mostly I was looking for hope. I was looking for someone to tell me that like it's going to be okay, and this is when it's going to be okay, right? Like I was looking for the blueprint of like the rest of my life since the person who I always leaned on was no longer around, right? Um, So I guess that kind of takes me into my story of how I lost my mother. Um, uh, It was during the pandemic. So it was the summer of 2020. And my mother um, is a very proud woman, um, always has been our whole life. She always wanted what was best for all of her children. Always. There are three of us. I'm the youngest. I'm the baby. Um, and she definitely put her children first. She never put herself first, um, as I'm sure lots of moms can relate. Um, although I do see a shift in culture these days of people speaking out against that, you know, and actually, you know, taking care of yourself first so that you can give to others. I digress. Um, she was a very proud woman in the sense that she struggled to ask for help. Um, and that showed up in lots of ways, right? Uh, she would work a job and be absolutely exhausted and go back the next day and at the expense of her own health, like continue to show up. Um, That would be saying yes to things when she didn't have the capacity to say yes to things, right? We can all relate to moments like this. Um, And she would have uh, medical ailments and she wouldn't do anything about it. She didn't have health insurance at the time. And it was very embarrassing to her to uh, have to admit that she didn't have health insurance at the time, right? Monetarily, she was struggling. She was working to support herself um, and health insurance wasn't in the cards for her or so she didn't prioritize, right? Um, So she would continue to have these ailments and then she would bring them to 
um, me and my siblings and, you know, say some one-off things about some things that were bothering her. My siblings both being in the medical field, my sister being a pediatric surgeon, my brother being an anesthesiologist and both of them being like, okay, you need to get to the doctor, right? You can't help you until you start to help yourself. Um, me being a feeler of the family, being like in a ball of emotions, like, why can't you help our mother? Like, <laughs> give her some grace here. She's trying like, you know, um, and ultimately, um, it led to her continuing to push through and she kind of kept her mouth shut, really. It wasn't until her final sort of weeks where she was reaching out and I like I listened back to voicemails that she had left me. Um, we were always in constant contact. And one of her final voicemails, you can like really hear how weak she is in her voice. And she's just like, you know, I just got back from work. I saw... Um, like this photo of my new nephew. Um, and she was just like so ecstatic that I was with my family. Um, and she was like, but I'm like absolutely exhausted. Like I'll call you tomorrow. Um, and so she really pushed herself to her limits. She was struggling with some various things, whether it was like her legs would swell up. It was like uh, circulation things or you know, this, that, and the other. And it ultimately led to her not showing up for work one day and she lived alone. Um, and so those who worked with her went to her apartment, they could hear her phone ringing um, and she wasn't answering and they found her um, alone. Um, that's one of the hardest parts is that she was alone. Um, and that's kind of it, right? Um, we don't know exactly what happened. Um, we can deduce that ended up being a natural cause of some sort. Um, and that's, that's the closure, right? You know, it just kind of is what it is. Um, I, it was Father's Day weekend when I had found out. Um, I was with family, thank goodness. I knew the moment that my sister got the call, she like picked it up. It was my aunt, my mother's sister. I could tell on my sister's face and I was like, mom's dead. It was ridiculous. The fact that I literally just looked at her and said that, but like I, like I said, I'm the feeler of the group, right? Um, I talked to my mom, like I was talking to her almost every day. She's the person I call when I'm like walking somewhere, you know, I used to live in New York city. So whenever I walked anywhere, I'd call her. Um, also the baby of the family. So I guess that matters. Um, but I had called her the day before and she didn't answer. And I was like, okay, that's weird. And then I had like called her that day and she didn't answer. And I was like, okay, that's weird. So like, I, I had to like, I don't know, just the moment that I saw my sister's face when she like picked up the phone, I just knew. Um, and yeah, I mean, how I immediately dealt with it, I, I went for a run. I like walked away and I just like went for a run. I'm someone who processes through movement. Um, and at the time, I think I was like somewhat running away from life, right? I didn't want to like accept it. Um, a plug I do want to make though is I had asked my mother what her favorite songs were before all of this. And so I have the playlist of like her favorite music. So when I went on that run, I listened to her playlist naturally, right? So I was able to like connect with her in that way. Um, and I just ran away, <laughs> basically. Um, 
I had reached out to my friends to kind of let them know. I was like, I don't really know how to say this, but I just feel like you should know before you hear from anyone else. I was like, I don't really have anything to say on it. I'm not really, I don't have the capacity to really speak to any of you right now, um, but this is it. Um, and then I just remember I returned home and I was in bed and I just cried all night and I just like imagined her holding me. Um, and that went on for like, at least the next three nights while we were there until I was able to get back home to the city um, in which I'm from, the city in which she passed. Um, and at that point, uh, you get hit with the logistics of everything. Um, she had a whole apartment, right? And so at that point, it was kind of like, yeah, I put... I don't, I don't know if I want to say I put my grieving to the side, but it's like you have priorities at that point and you're on a timeline. So it was like we got there and we're cleaning out her apartment, um, taking care of bills, making sure, you know, X, Y and Z legally happens and all of that. Which is really intense. And then all of that hits you like after the fact when it's like all over and you're like, OK, now I get to sit with all of this. Um, and. What I remember was just wanting to numb myself out. I didn't want to have to deal with any of it. I wanted to avoid it all. Uh, I didn't want to talk about it. Um, I wanted, I actually, now I, I got really frustrated with my brother. I wanted him to know how I was feeling. And he, of course he didn't, right? This is when I learned that like no one, no one knows what you're you're going through unless you communicate what you're going through, right? So I was so frustrated with him that he wasn't doing X, Y, and Z. And he didn't know that how I felt about X, Y, and Z. And I was like, and I like told him and he was like, you know, Gibson, I know like you're said, I know you're really sensitive to things. And I know this is really hard, but like, I can't help you unless you tell me how I can help you. And I was, that was the first moment where I had to deal with like, oh, people can't read my mind like my mother used to read my mind, right? She really did. She knew ahead of time how I was feeling about something. Um, so recognizing that void and no longer having someone that felt that way or could like, you know, read your mind in a way. And then also recognizing that like, oh, moving forward, this is not how the world functions, even with my uh, the rest of my family. Um, so that was a learning experience. Um, and yeah, I wanted to avoid it all. Um, and I wanted my friends to just like, let it go. You know, like I wanted them to be there for me, but I wanted them to kind of like, let it go. And I felt pressure actually from my friends to grieve in a certain way, which that was kind of wild to me. Um, it's like, I felt as if they like wanted me to be a ball of emotions in their arms and that it was like, I was doing it wrong. And then that was another learning experience where where no one grieves the same way. There is no right way to grieve. There's no wrong way to grieve. It's your own experience. It's your own journey. And how you process it is how you process it. And so like reiterating that message to anyone who's listening to this, that like, however you're dealing with it is the way that you're, you are dealing with it, right? Um, when you're ready to find some forward momentum, then that's your moment that you start to find some forward momentum. Um, so yeah, it was a really dark, dark, the darkest time of my life. Um, and 
I, it also became a time where I figured out what means the most to me in this world. Um, I know it sounds kind of wild to say that like, I wouldn't be where I am right now if my mother hadn't passed away, but I, I would not be where I am right now if she hadn't passed away. I wouldn't have learned the lessons I learned in the time that I learned them if I didn't have that experience. Um, and it really helped to propel me to figure out what I want to do in this limited time that we have here, right? My mother was working a job she didn't enjoy and she it cost ended up costing her her life, right? I don't want to, I don't want to do that. Uh, so I got real with myself about what I really care about. And I'm really passionate about people feeling seen and heard and supported, right? Validating other people's experiences. We're all human and we're all going through a lot of really tough shit, whether we turn like my love cuts. Okay. <laughs> Let it go. We all go through some really tough stuff. Um, <laughs> whether we talk about it or not. And in this time, I learned that like a lot of people don't talk about it, even though we're all going through it. Right. And all I wanted at that time was to hear other people talk about the really difficult times that they were having so that I felt less alone. Right. I thought I was the only one and my world is crashing down and I'm the only one that's like miserable and doesn't want to get out of bed and doesn't want to do life. But really there are tons of other people who are feeling this way. Um, and this is also kind of wild. At the time, TikTok started to roll out and I had downloaded my TikTok and I had curated my feed because, you know, what you interact with is what you end up getting. I curated it to be a lot of like self-help and therapists who are sharing tips and other people who are like, I went through the toughest moment of my life and I got through it and like, look at my joy. And so as um, wild as it may seem, TikTok actually ended up helping me in my healing due to how it was curated, obviously, based off of what I was looking at, but it made me feel less alone, right? I was seeing these people, these snippets of people um, who were validating what I was feeling. They were also giving me actionable tips of like how I can start to show up for myself, you know, whether it was like going outside for a walk, closing my eyes as I walk, right? That kind of trusting thing, any sort of thing to like get you out of your senses or to activate your senses or get you out of your mind. Just, I just found that to end up being a safe place for me, um, which was surprising. Uh, and um, from there, like I was saying, I ended up figuring out what I really cared about, which was being that like being the person that I needed at that time. I needed someone who was gonna listen to me, someone who's gonna support me no matter what, and someone who's just gonna be there for me. Like, let me be me and feel it out. Uh, so that's how I discovered that that's what I ultimately really care about. And that's what I want to continue to cultivate in this world, a very safe, brave space for people who, can share whatever they're going through and not feel shameful about it, not feel bad about it. That was the biggest thing, right? My mother was so shameful about not having health insurance. She was shameful about her medical issue, issues, shameful about money, shameful about X, Y, and Z. And that was definitely passed down to me. I had realized and I was shameful about things. And then this was the moment where I was like, 
I'm done. I'm done. I'm done feeling shame about anything, right? This is who I am. Love me. Don't love me. Understand where I'm coming from. Don't understand where I'm coming from. I'm here for you. If you don't want to be here for me, that's fine. Like you do your thing. Um, so the beauty of me being able to figure out what really mattered to me um, was important. And from there, I also realized that I needed to start leaning on other people for things because I always only ever leaned on my mom, right? Whenever something happened, I called her. Whenever I wanted to talk about something, I called her. Um, walking somewhere, called her. Um, this boy said this to me, I called her, right? You know, like always went from, you know, classic mom advice, classic, just that, that was our relationship. We were, we were very close my entire life. Um, and so I didn't have that. And I was like, oh, I have no one to call. And like, that's not actually the case. I had tons of people I could call, but I didn't want to call them because they weren't my mom and I wanted my mom. Um, and then, I, you know, I learned that I still, I still need, I still need people. Um, and it's not weakness when you need people. It's not shameful if you need to just tell someone about your day. I'm not weak. I'm not like, I, I am this strong, independent person, but like, we need people. That's just how we are built. We're wired for connection. We're wired for that sort of validation as well. Uh, so that was a big learning moment that I, uh, I need people. And I learned to call my friends, call my family, just people who had the capacity to listen. And I also started telling people in passing like about my life. Like I was just more, I try to be more open about things before I was like quite um, kept to myself. Unless you asked me something, I wouldn't really tell you, you know, that's kind of was my motto. Like, you don't ask me, you probably don't care. I don't care, like whatever. Um, but I found a lot of really beautiful moments when I am the first person to sort of spark that conversation or share something. And really what I just did is gave permission for the other person to then dive in as well, um, which is very special to experience that, um, which is something that I try to continue to cultivate because I have recognized how special that is. Um, yeah, I think those are a lot of the lessons I learned. There are also some complicated aspects of it where my mother was a very tough lady on us. She was the biggest critic ever. So she was like pretty mean to all of us as children. Um, which of course was like no fault of her own was passed down, you know, through generations, um, which I recognized. And I'm glad that I had recognized before she had passed because I feel like our relationship had evolved because I'd really forgiven her for the things that I had held against her, you know, for certain ways that she would show up in certain moments. Um, I had forgiven her for all of that. Right. Um, I had a lot of compassion for her. I believe that she really was doing the best that she could with what she had. Um, which is very important um, and was very vital in like my healing process, which was different than like my sister's healing process, right? Um, which I, I recognize that. Um, and yeah, I just continue to work to see some of the traits that she had, how they are embodied, like how I embody those traits and like which ones I want to continue with and which ones I want to evolve, right? Like that nasty inner voice that I have, that's like highly critical. You know, the moment I look in the mirror, 
now I like hear that voice if I hear it and I'm like, ah, I like laugh it out. I'm like, okay, like that's my mom. I get it. All right. I get it. And she's intense. Let's move on. Like that's not really true. Right. And being able to like shift the narrative in that way has been um, what my goal is these days. My goal is to, you know, be my number one supporter who my mom was at the capacity she could be. Right. Um, I'll be my own number one supporter and not let shame, not let what other people think, not let negativity, not let that initial inner voice, you know, those negative thoughts we think, like not let that actually dictate the actions I take in life. Instead, being able to recognize whatever is coming at me and then decide from there, like, okay, do I want to run with this or do I need to shift this and run a different way for my best interest? Um, and I guess kind of like the last thing I want to share with those who are listening is, um, I don't know if a lot of people are, you know, spiritual, but, uh, I would look for signs. I, that's how I ended up feeling a little bit mm, less alone. Um, so when I was like scouring the internet in the very beginning to find other people who were like me and whatnot, I would start to like look for signs that my mother was communicating with me, whether it was like through an insect, through a feather, you know, through an animal, like that's kind of how it ended up being for me. Um, cause we cared really deeply about animals. Um, but being able to recognize those signs and, you know, thanking that, thanking the universe, thanking her for like giving that to me. And it just, it feels a little better when I like see those signs. And I still, to this day, remind myself to kind of like look out for those signs. Cause it's a reminder for me that like I'm on the right path and that she's really proud of me. Um, and that she's still with me, even though she's not with me and damn, is it so hard to not call her? That is the hardest thing. I have her voicemails and like in the beginning, I used to listen to them a lot more often and just cry. And like now I'll listen to them every once in a while, less of a cry, more of just like, it's nice to hear her voice, but I got to say, that's one of the hardest things. I don't know if that part is ever going to be easier. If you're, you always going to, I'm always going to want to reach and like want to reach out to her. Um, so I guess for those listening, knowing that like I'm going through it too, like that, that is really hard. Um, yeah, I think that's all I got for right now, Beth. <laughs> well, I, I, this, so this was 2020. You have done an amazing amount of work in two years. Like this took me like 38 years. You have done an amazing um, amount of work and self-awareness and soul searching and digging and um, like good for you. Good for Thank you. Some people go through their whole lives and never have the type of awareness that you have, like what you said about, um, you know, being able to forgive her for being the biggest critic that she was doing the best that she could and letting go of that, of that, what, you know, whatever you felt, anger, animosity, you know, mm -hmm. frustration, yeah. um, letting that go is such a huge thing. Yeah. It's huge. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So when you look at all of that, it, it, it makes sense that you, um, then you said about that, like the, 
that you would, you know, never want to say that, not that you're glad your mom died, but that was how you really, you know, figured out what means the most to you. And I think that is really true. That Mm -hmm. is so true. Um, And it, you know, I don't like, I don't like platitudes and I don't like all those little sayings that often will feel like somebody's stabbing you in the back. Um, But if there was a silver lining, if you have the capacity to be able to see things from a bigger picture besides just your little world, which is a lot when you lose your mom, Mm -hmm. especially with as close as you guys were, you talk several times a day, most days, you know, that's a huge, huge void for you to um, have in your life. So, um, wow, they just, it's just, you're just remarkable. That's amazing. The stuff that you've done. I appreciate you saying that. I'm still very much on the journey, but I do feel like I've gone through the hardest thing. I'm pro- well, I just knock on wood. Yeah. I feel as if I have gone through, you know, the worst of the worst. And so at this point, I'm like, I'm, I did it right. You know, I'm, I mean, I'm still doing it, but like I did it. So, you know, throw anything else at me, uh, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to be able to handle it at this point. Like, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah yeah um the thing that you said about tiktok and about how that it you know just gave you the actual tips and the things like you know i i started this daughters without moms just the social media at the like in october of 2020 and i was amazed at the support in a grief community when everybody else was everything else was divisive and polarizing and the you know, shit was just hitting the fan, right? And everybody was judging each other and being so mean. And I was ready to get off social media altogether. And then this grief community has just been amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's amazing a bond you can have with people when you have no other connection or commonality other than loss. Mm-hmm. But that just provides some sort of underlying foundation that makes you just go, okay, you know, yeah. okay, yeah. Mm. I feel yes. it in part. I know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One of my most listened ep- episodes is a guy that was from TikTok. A friend of mine told me about him. He lost his wife mm-hmm. and um, has started a TikTok account because I don't have a TikTok. So, um, but it's one of my most listened to episodes, I think, because of his popularity on TikTok. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Obviously, social media can can go either way, right? Depending on how your feed is curated. But it was really special, especially. I mean, it was in the middle of like the pandemic, so we I was very isolated. Um, so being able to just connect with others through technology was very impactful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. the benefits of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and what you talked about, like about changing your expectation of your mom, like that's, that's a huge thing to, um, to live in the culture that we live in that when, you know, are you going to keep banging your head against the wall because somebody is not, you know, meeting your expectations, or are you going to look at, at it realistically and be like, Hmm, you know, maybe I'm coming at this from the wrong way. And maybe I need to change my expectation a little bit so that you're not always, frustrated and disappointed like I had to do that with my dad after I had kids and like I I, first of all I was never having kids and then then I found the love of my life and we had kids and um, I couldn't understand how like he wasn't going to be 
the grandfather that I had pictured in my mind. But honestly, he wasn't ever that kind of dad. So how did I expect that he was going to be that kind of grandfather? But I would be mad. Like I would be like seriously offended, like took it personally until, you know, someday I was telling you before we started recording that as you get older, you you learn a lot of this grace, which you're ahead of the game. Um, And I just changed my, you know, I wrote him a letter, but I changed my expectation and was like, you know, why am I going to continue to try to hold this man to a standard that is not even in his skills set, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, I mean, that's, like I said, it took me a long, long time to do that. Um, You've done an amazing, amazing uh, amount of work. The other thing that I, you made me think of is um, I realized too that there's a, I, when you said strong and independent, right? Like mm-hmm. me too, strong and independent. And I always um, like kind of cringe when people would talk about, you know, that people have dependency. I'm like, I'm not dependent on anything. It's like, mm-hmm. I take care of myself, you know, <laughs> head bob and the whole thing. <laughs> um, until I read this woman's um a blog that she posted about high functioning codependency. Mm-hmm. And when you have a dependency on being high functioning and you know doing all the things and staying in control of all the things that you can control and about how that is a form of dependency. And I was like, oh, oh. <laughs> that might be me, um, which it sounds like you might have a little bit of that mm-hmm. in you as well, which I think happens often in, you know, in some of the ways that some of us are raised in the environments that we're brought up in, you know, it's fight or flight or high functioning. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So I just found that super interesting, interesting too. Um, but man, like you, you've got a lot of this stuff under your belt. So good for you. Keep up whatever you're doing. Um, and I think you do understand that the journey is going to be two steps forward, two steps back, sometimes, you know, four steps back. Um, but I hope that you do always, you know, you said in the very beginning that you were looking for that blueprint and looking for hope. Mm-hmm. I just hope you always know that there is, there is always hope, you know, um, it's not, I don't think it's ever going to be okay because how can your life be okay when your mom is no longer a part of it? Um, right. But that's where we change the narrative because we're no longer the same person we were the day before when she was here, right. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but there is always hope. And uh, you sound like, you know, you're you're moving and, and going to try a, a new adventure on the other side of the States. And so who knows where this, where this whole awareness that you have will lead you, you know? I think sometimes it does, it does uh, propel us to provide a space for, for other people, like you said, to feel seen and heard and all of those things. And um, you, you sound like you have a lot to offer. So I'm interested to see how this goes for you. Me too, because that's exactly what I want to do. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. That's so awesome. So is there anything else that you want to share before we wrap up? Um, yes, one more thing. One of the best gifts that I got, well, aside from one of my friends, they sent me a massage, like no questions asked when it all happened. They just sent me a gift card for a massage. And I was like, that was amazing. But one of the best gifts I ever got was one of my friends 
got me my mother's perfume, um, a little, like a little small bottle of it. Um, and that was extremely special for me. I don't know if it's also because I'm all about my senses and I'm sensitive. Um, and that was extremely special to me, um, in moments where I could like put it on my wrist and just smell it and feel like she was with me. Um, I actually put some on my wrist before this podcast just now, so I could feel like she was with me and kind of channel her energy. Um, and it's just one of those things that I don't know if many people think about. So whoever is listening, um, it was uh, really, um, I, I keep saying special, but that really is, the, it was like magical. It was really nice to just be able to connect in that way. So thank that's you. a great, yeah, that's a great idea. I, I haven't heard that yet. So yeah, it's a great idea. Yeah. Well, well, thank you Gibson for being here and sharing your story and Good luck it's as the journey continues because the, the grief won't go away but you'll continue to learn how to live with it thank you and thank you so much beth for continuing to hold space for people and have this podcast it's the more more people talk about it just the better we're off as a society and normalizing and making people feel like they're not alone so thank you you're so welcome If you liked this episode or you are a fan of the show, the best way to support it is to share it on social media and with your family and friends. For more of my thoughts on the grief journey, please visit my website, www.yourgriefjourney.com. As always, remember, we can use grace, grit, and gratitude to grow with our grief.